Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to Crunch Time. Friday night, footy saw Collingwood seven-point winners over Melbourne to light up round 21, where the matches of real consequence, the twilight today, the Bulldogs and the Dockers. Tonight, Port Adelaide and Richmond, and then tomorrow, the Brisbane Lions and Carlton. Luke Hodge, Brenton Sanderson with you on Crunch Time, Jared Waitley and Sam Edmund. I feel like it's the most inconvenient truth since Al Gore committed his thoughts to film is what happened at Adelaide's now notorious pre-season camp and the campaign to marginalise and silence those who would tell the truth. The truth is like the body in the lake. It always finds its way to the surface. And this week it was led by Eddie Betts and the release of his autobiography. It was added to by Josh Jenkins in a, the most compelling dozen minutes of radio that I can recall. And now Bryce Gibbs this morning on SENSA has reflected on the camp and his sense of regret having been part of Group 1 in the summer of 2018. I, I'm, I, as, when I reflect, I feel like I was really disappointed in myself because this is when I started to take a back seat. Um, Watching guys stand up and, and say, this is not on, we need to address this, we need to tell people what happened, they seem to get shut down pretty quickly. And for me to see these guys as brave as it was to get up there and try and have their peace and to get shut down, these guys have been at the club for a number of years, had a lot of respect within the group. If I, was, I felt like if I was to get up and say something, how was I going to have much pull or much weight in it as I'd only been there for five minutes. Um, and it did, it, it did fracture the playing group. It fractured relationships in the football department. Uh, players lost trust with, um, with members in that football department. And we, we tried to move on where that was obviously the wrong thing to do. And that's probably why we're speaking about it four years on. The events that tore a team apart are now documented. So that that's a painful recollection of the aftermath. Josh Jenkins tried to lead in real time. He tried to stop events at the camp. He went to the AFL. He pleaded with the Players Association. He tried to confront things internally. He got shut down at every turn and run out. And Eddie Betts sort of in his understated way galvanised people together and protected them where he could. And ultimately, he's the one who had the courage to commit the words, to open the way for others. It, it's, it, it, is a, it is a miserable case study, Luke Hodge, of a football team. Oh, without a doubt. And when, when you hear players, first thing comes to mind is the trust. When you, when you get drafted into a football club... Football clubs, you, you've you've got to start trusting people, whether it's doctors, coaches, um, support staff in and around the football club. But what I look at there is the, the personal information that they gave to people who they thought were in their in their corner, in their group. Um, when, when you start to trust people, you open up, you tell them personal details about things that you don't want anyone else to know. Otherwise, it'll be it'll be an open slate that you can tell everyone. So, for them to 
be confident enough or comfortable enough to tell people in your own football club who you trust, who you rely on, um, for them to then use that against you in in a poor way that, that these blokes have, have come out and, and said, the more stories you hear, the more you sit back and just shake your head and go, how how can the people at the football club allow that to happen? Sando, so you've coached the Crows, you know a lot of the personalities here. How, how have you absorbed the revelations of the past few days? Um, not well, to be honest, because... Um I have uh, or I coached Eddie Betts and um, I coached JJ as well, and it was really, really upsetting to read those revelations um, for me this week. Um, Eddie Betts is one of the most genuine, loving, caring people that you'll meet in footy, um, and to hear and to read what he experienced made me really upset. And I know a lot of Crows people and people in footy, and this is not just Crows supporters, they are really angry about this. Um, and then obviously now we've heard from JJ and we've also heard um, this morning from Gibbs. So, I mean, people make mistakes. We understand that. And the first mistake the Crows made, and we know now, is after a grand final loss, you need to put your arms around the players. You need to support them and you need to comfort them. You don't need to attack them. Um, we know that that's the first mistake that they made. But then it goes deeper and these layers just get even more and more disturbing, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, really hard for me to read because, um, you know, I, I care about these individuals too and to, to just even think what they had to endure is, is, is really hard. And for me, and I've, I've just gone a little bit, um, I guess I've gone with my layers, I, I wonder now about the mental health of those players who are still there. And I know there's... Most of the leadership at the Crows has changed since that camp, um, whether it's the you know the CEO, the president, the GM of footy, almost all of the coaches have gone um, and the, they would obviously be looking now to move forward. But there's still a, a large group of the playing group still there who, who must have this still inside them and in their soul that, and we're seeing some players speak up now who are no longer at the club, but it's, it's really upsetting. It, it is really upsetting. So th- there's a difference between the need to move on and wanting it to go away. So when, when Crows officials say it's time to move on, what they're actually saying is mm. we want this to go away. We don't want to confront this. We've never wanted to confront it. And I don't know how a club, how does a club heal if it's not prepared to actually look at, acknowledge and deal with what happened? Yeah, well I think that... they're living the worst delusion imaginable. Well, Jared, I don't know... I don't know what the answer is now. I know apologies are, are obvious, but I don't know what what do we the people need to pay like what because all those people that like I said are like in management positions and leadership positions have pretty much moved on. Um, so what what now? I think we have to we have to find out about the mental health of those players that are still there and um, uh, you know there's great support around them now. I know Emma Barr who was the who was the player welfare manager at the Crows is no longer there. And she was fantastic. Um, she was there when I was there. She was instrumental in the welfare of the players when Phil Walsh um, passed away, when he, when he um, obviously uh, died. Um, and that was an incredible emotional moment that those, that playing group at the time had to, had to go through. And then the grand final loss in the camp. So, you know, unfortunately, there's a be as I said, there's to be so many players who are still there who have had to experience all of these emotions, and now this, um, and so 
who who pays? What's what's the price that's paid now? I'm and not sure. The welfare department, like the club doctor, kept completely in the dark, Jared, about the location of the camp, the content of the camp. So if you're going to bypass the processes before it happens, and then in the aftermath, we've let from from a club perspective, it didn't happen to let's move on. Where, where's the in-between? Yeah, I think there's a lot of people in Adelaide who have not distinguished themselves from the it never happened, it never happened, it never happened. It happened, but we have to move on. Time to move on. So yep. jo- part of Josh's revelations were the the full report that has been kept by the doctor, who's a pivotal figure, works for the club, responsible for the individual health of the players, fully documented in each individual instance what took place and what the toll of it was. The report is with the club and Josh's plea was this has to see the light of day. The Crows would do well to let it see the light of day before it's part of a class action and it is demanded in court. One thing is if the AFL and the PA at WorkSafe South Australia, if they've all ticked it off, surely they would have went through everyone at the club and the doctors to find out all the information. How how can that get ticked off as everything was above board if all the information, especially serious information put in by a doctor, hasn't been seen? And how can the AFL tick it off and then not apologise, but then finally apologise to the doorstop figure of McLaughlin, who goes on to say there were elements of the camp that were a disgrace and disgraceful, but your integrity department have ticked it off. All fine. Nothing to see here, basically. You could have made is, some improvements. Is that a head in the sand? Let's just tick it off and hope it goes away. Yeah, I don't think there was a willingness to deal with what had happened and it probably took it. So how, how do we actually approach this? So the AFL has ways and means. And the best example I could reference last night was was the tanking investigation, which never found tanking, but applied a level of penalty as mm-hmm. if it had. Right. And Gill famously said, I don't even know what tanking was, mm-hmm. but they still managed to find a way to deal with what they believed had brought the game into disrepute. So that's one aspect of an on-field. This goes to... So everything that the AFL would say that they that, that is abhorrent, toxic masculinity, cultural insensitivity, work your way through all the layers, and, and they're all contained here, and yet they could find no way... No... They, the truth is they could find no willingness yeah, the, to the, attack the it. The biggest thing I've noticed in the AFL over the last 10 years is all they speak about is the welfare of their players. They spe- they've changed rules because of the, the injury, the prevention, for, because of the wellness of the players. As soon as you hear the story of Eddie Betts, how can they tick off the welfare of their players and go, yep, this is okay, no problems, let's move on? If they went and spoke to all the players, as Eddie said he's spoken to them, and nothing got done, how can you sit back and say that we're taking care of our players, we're taking care of the welfare of all of our players and go and tick that off? And so imagine how dispiriting that would have been within the club. So if you zero it now to Josh and what he said. So he spoke up at the time yep. and was ignored. He spoke up in the aftermath and was run out of the club. He took the complaint to the AFL and watched them do nothing with it. He pleaded with the Players Association, including his close friend and president, Patrick Dangerfield, and couldn't get an adequate investigation to take place. And people say, well, why is it taking you four and a half years to tell your story? Well, it, that's your answer. He has yeah. been 
trying every official mechanism that there is and, and there was to a get fear. this dealt with there and was got a, shut down at every turn. Yeah, There was a culture of silence and a fear there for the players. And you know what I'm most happy with is that Eddie Betts has been the one who's broken the ice and an enormous courage to devote that chapter in his book to this camp is that they've come in after him as well, which I think is great for Eddie, that Josh has been willing to do that. Bryce Gibbs, even though he's at, at the club for only five minutes, has admitted he's got regrets as well. And if he had his time over again, he'd do things differently. And I, I think Cam Ellis Yolman will have some words to say as too, Jared, about it. Uh, Hugh Greenwood as well, who was active in the aftermath at the club to try to repair uh, the relationships that were broken and would never be repaired. So I, I hope more players are, are bold enough to come forward. They are privately at the moment. There's been a stack of support for Eddie Betts and Josh Jenkins. I hope publicly more players former, current, lend their names to it as well. There is a hardcore who resist. I think this is really important to note yeah. around the Crows. So Taylor Walker absolutely resists everything that's been put forward, which is really damning, I think. But Rory Sloan, who strikes me as such a sensitive soul and I would have said such a great leader, to hear him not recognise, Luke, that leadership is not about you. It doesn't matter whether the camp worked for you, Rory. What matters is the impact, the profound impact on the lives of your teammates and the complete ruination of the team in the aftermath. I just can't understand how he can't see that and acknowledge it. The the first part of leadership is listening to the guys around you. You're the voice of the players. And if you've got players, younger teammates, inexperienced teammates coming to you saying that they didn't like this, they're not feel comfortable with it, and you're ignoring what they're saying, then you shouldn't be in a leadership position. If you're putting yourself before the younger guys who look up to you to have the voice for them, and you'll sit back and say, no, this is what I believe, so this is the way it's going to go, that's the first cross when it comes to leadership. You've got to listen to what they say. And sometimes when it comes to football matters, you, over, you override the younger guys because you might be more experienced in them. But when it comes to personal matters where it impacts them at home, at the football club, in every everyday life and you see the pain that goes through and just by hearing we've heard three stories how many others are there that have gone and spoken to the leadership group with how much they dislike that for you for them to ignore it you sort of sit back and shaking it you shake your head and go how can that happen mm. well i've done some crazy things on football camps this is without this is not without precedence but i'd love to know more about this group one sam this mm. uh jenkins was part of 10 players and two coaches in group one I'd love to know more about Group 1. Well, Group 1 involved Don Pike, who was obviously the coach at the time. The assistant coach, Scott Camparelli, they're both in Group 1. The captain was there, Taylor Walker at the time. Rory Sloan was there. Richard Douglas was there. Now, Tom Lynch was there, but he got sick and had to leave. But that came after the fact they kept him there for two to three days where he was uh, basically on his deathbed. Then they finally said, OK, you, you can leave. Uh, Daniel Tarley was there. Kyle Hardigan was there. Bryce Gibbs, we know, was there. Eddie Betts was obviously there. Matt Crouch was there. Josh Jenkins was there. The development manager, Heath Uni, was there. Now, he was the one. So, Brett Burton had an existing relationship, the then head of football, with those involved in the mind training company. So there was a relationship there. They sent Heath Uni, who was a development manager at the time, to the Gold Coast to undertake the exercise, not to speak to the, the company, but to actually live it and do the camp. So he did it, but he did it with strangers. So he, it's a big difference doing it with strangers compared to doing it with those that you work day to day when you're having your information, which we haven't even discussed yet, used against you, which is the biggest betrayal, despite Josh saying that he'd sort of assurances that his private life and his, his upbringing wouldn't be used against him. It, it absolutely was. So he reported back to say this would be a great idea for the players to do it. And then, as we know, um, it, it's blown up. Were the coaches put through the same stuff as that and the yeah. same things were said, personal stuff was 
said to them in front of all the players? Well, I don't know about the harness and its use for Don Pike and Scott Camparelli. It's well, a question if, of if, if this is. I'm this assuming is, so because they're all. When, when you go on these things, you're all in it together, were you not? You, you'd hope so. Oh, not hope so because what they went through is is devastating. But if you go through and have coaches and staff with the players, it's supposed to be all as one. So if they go and are doing it and coaches are sitting back, not saying anything or doing anything, I'm sitting there scratching my head, going, "Well, are they a part of it, or are they just sitting back and yeah. plan the whole thing with them?" and and want to see how far they can push the so players. Josh's delineation was important here. So there was clearly stuff for some which was just exactly. puerile football nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was no deep background. Either it hadn't been provided to the councillors or they didn't have the same life traumas that, say, Josh and Eddie have had, which they too trustingly shared. And Josh sought assurances that it wouldn't be used against him and, and he says that was broken. So... Uh, I can, while I don't have a great insight into what this would look like, I can imagine the puerile football stuff yeah. and how it wouldn't have an impact Foot, on football Sloan or walk. That's right. Yeah. So they, they weren't subjected to the same level of psychological trauma that Eddie and Josh have yeah. spoken about. So it is absolutely possible, conceivable, that a group would go through the same exercise and have different wildly opinions. different experiences. But is that, is that because those blokes were open, honest, and actually gave their full self to the group and to the camp where the people, who, the other people who did it who didn't open up entirely. Because if you go through life and you get to 25, 30, even the coaches at 45 or 50, you've got personal things that have happened to you throughout that can cut deep. Um, just as what Eddie said, just as what Gibbs said and, and Josh, um, it, it says to me that these guys opened up. They gave themselves to the camp. They gave themselves to the football club. And it's backfired against them in a big way. And other people in the same situation obviously held things close to their chest so they weren't as invested. So they walked out of it going, well, hang on, this was a good camp because they didn't give as much of themselves as what the other guys did. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable interpretation. And it's been discussed. But I've just got to say again, I, I, I admire the immense courage for Josh in the moment in real time to stand up and say, this isn't right. And as he said, Don, for a while, the senior coach wavered for a moment because, we, you know, Bryce Gibbs uses the term brainwash, which is a strong term. But when you're in that, you're all in it together, you're away on, on, on a camp, you, you, things, even if you are uncomfortable, I can understand how you might just roll along. But to have the conviction... And the strength of mind and character to stand up and say, no, no, this is wrong in the moment, I think is... Not easy to do. Hugely admirable. Not in a, fo- in a football yep. environment. With you your stand peers? Up and, with, with your peers, with your coaches. And when they go into a camp like this, the mindset is we're going to come out of this better than we went in. As a collective, as a group, we're going to push through. We're going to push barriers together. So that's the mindset going in. So for Josh to walk around and stand up, because a lot of those blokes, as we've spoken about, they're sitting there going, we are better, we're stronger, we're more mentally tough than what we were. But for him to stand up around the, the captain, the vice captain, the leaders, and go against them and say, this is wrong, this is not on, it's it's massive from him. And Jared, this is just the camp. I mean, it, this, this did take part for the better part of a year where this company was involved in the club. Now, players have said privately for a time they had such a grip on the club that they found it hard to go and knock on the coach's door because... Don Pike was involved with the company all the time, always with those people. They were actually out in the middle of training drills at the end of running lanes saying to players, oh, this is pretty hard, isn't it, mate? You might want to you might want to bin it now. You might want to chuck it in. So they were so entrenched. Their tentacles were so inside that club for a period of time. It, it goes beyond the camp. Yeah. So so you asked the question, what's to be done, Sando? Is when, when institutions have these historical failures that are represented it doesn't matter whether you were the management of the time or the management you have to own what happened and so that the first attempt at the crows apology was quite pitiful if, if i'm honest as tim silver's the new chief executive 
moseyed out in front of a question and answer and at the back end of the sixth answer got to an apology for those who had a poor experience at the camp. That's not it. You have to, and and John Olsen, I think, is one of the great leaders this country has seen, is, John, it's time to step forward. It's time to step forward and bring to light all that happened, own it as an organisation, adequately apologise to all of those who are exposed to something that should never have happened. And equally for the AFL is they've done their investigations and, and, and the, the adjustments that have been made in the aftermath doesn't nearly cut it. If you truly want to say to the the parents of young, talented players who are being brought into the system each year at the draft, that welfare is our number one priority. That that is a platitude at the moment. And then the last step is anyone who had a position of authority at the time and had oversight for what transpired or has played an active role in the cover-up has to be removed from their position. They should have already resigned. And if they can't see their way clear to resign, they should... they should be removed and it doesn't have to be a a damn it doesn't have to be with damnation it just has to be as an acknowledgement of these were the mistakes that were made this is the level of accountability and if you can't bring yourself to that level of never mind judgment it's the humanity that is missing in this so when i listened to mark rusciuto and it made me wildly angry the lack of humanity in understanding what has transpired here, don't worry about the judgment. That's enough. A basic human instinct to people under your care who suffered this experience on your watch, that's it. It doesn't have to be more than that. And if you never front up to it, the organisation will never adequately recover. And this this team collapsed because of it. I'm not sure they even recognised that. They were a grand final team. They were the best team in the competition and they haven't been cited since. Yep. They will never recover as a football team until they front up to what they did as a club, and their environment has protected them. That protection racket in South Australia, which aided and abetted the club, has been just so shameful. And the personal introspection that should go on on that front to what was swallowed and then what was dished up is you can't just walk past that. You don't get to go, oh, I got that wrong. Yeah. No, nah, no, nah, it doesn't work like that. Not not after four and a half years of a really calculated campaign. It doesn't work like that. So it 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 is time for them to front up. And the truth is they have a they have a great leader who has experienced a lot in Australian life. And he should be tossing and turning in bed over this. And he shouldn't be able to rest until he has dealt with it. So it's time to step forward as a football club and do this properly. Just give me one experience of when a camp has gone well. What, what did you what did you institute? What did you partake in? Well, I, I keep smiling because I'm desperate to tell this story and it's, <laughs> it's, it's going to lighten the mood a little bit, Jared. And probably some of your listeners are too young to remember this, but when the Crows first came in to the competition in 1991, it might have been the next year, 92 pre-season, um, I was an 18-year-old. And we were told we were going to walk through fire. Can you remember? Yeah. Oh, Nigel Smart. Nigel, yeah. the fire walking. <laughs> Nigel. You're going we were actually, so 52 players, Jared. We spent the whole day mentally preparing ourselves. Oh. We had to come up with a phrase. And mine was cool sand. So when, <laughs> when, when I walked through these hot coals, this was a fire that was burning, these hot oh, coals. Thousands of degrees, Hodgie. We were told to walk through. And it was about 15 metres long. And... 
the very first player that did it was Nigel Smart. Thank God, wasn't one of us. They were too hot. The coals were too and hot. And it, it burnt the soles of his feet. Like he was blistered and burnt. And oh, straight away, <laughs> straight away, the exercise was was done. So we, we wasted a whole day mentally preparing to walk through the hot coals. And the first player that did it, like severely, severely burnt the soles of his feet. Of course he did. Of course he did. But my my phrase was cool sand. But um, the days of the military style uh, camps for, for for football clubs, I think they're done, Hodge. I mean, they're that mental thing with the you know the SOG group or the Star group or the um, the, the Navy SEAL type mental toughness moments, they are done. You can't you can't expect these these footballers to be able to partake, partake in those those mental toughness camps anymore. Yeah, well, uh, I've never walked over coals. So <laughs> <laughs> how did he get drawn out to uh, to, to be the first it's one? It's famous vision, isn't it? Yeah, though? it's incredible. But it's... it was we sat back and I thought I remember seeing as a kid going, oh, I reckon I would have been about seven or eight. I yeah. thought even I'm not that dumb to do that. <laughs> and this is a full grown man who's walking yeah, on coals. The things that clubs make you do, Hodgie, The things that clubs make you do as a player. <laughs> he did the whole thing, didn't he? And he said yeah, he got stamping his feet at the end. He actually yeah. got across. I remember yeah. the big pump up before yeah. and everyone's cheering him. And he started Sammy walking was on fire. His feet were on fire. That's why. He was stamping his feet. Crazy. Hey, we're, we're, footballers are not smart. <laughs> footballers are not smart. Thank God he put his hand up to go first. And yeah, exactly right. Cool sand. Cool <laughs> sand. It was going to be like yeah. cool running. Well, that was. I was going to tell myself as my feet were burning. I was going to mentally tell myself cool sand. That was my eighteen-year-old phrase. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Round twenty-one, the AFL record. It features Max Gorn and Jim Steins. His memories ten years on. It is reach round, and it also features Hawthorne captain Ben McAvoy, who's playing his two hundred and fiftieth AFL game this afternoon. The neck injury that he suffered at training earlier this year almost ended his career but he's back and leading the Hawks into battle against the Suns this afternoon crunch time so don't forget the AFL record at news agents at the ground as you're heading to the footy this weekend we'll explore those games that are coming the critical swing games that will determine so much and the trade latest with Sam Edmund on crunch time next Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.